Hello and welcome to the first Friday media that uh, I'm doing on the Imperfect Podcast. So as I kind of discussed last week, I'm going to start doing um, a review of some media format that I came across in the last week or so that I think is relevant to the topic of masculinity. Um, So for this week, I'm going to kind of do a review of Trevor Noah's Born a Crime book. Um, I read it. It's one of the best books I've read all year. (laughs) Dad joke. Um, No, but it's honestly one of the best books I've read in a long time. Um, It's a fascinating story about Trevor Noah's growing up in apartheid uh, South Africa, being a colored person. Um, So for those that don't know, being colored was worse than being black uh, and was worse than being, obviously, worse than being white um, because it meant that a white person slept with a black person, which is which was illegal, uh, which is where the title Born a Crime comes from. Um, so, you know, in his book, he talks a lot about race, one of the most fascinating books I've read on race, but uh, more... I guess deeply he talks about the effects of language and how language was actually used more than race in terms of separating people and and making enemies out of each other. Uh, He goes into pretty good depth, um, or at least, uh, you know, looks at it quite a bit in terms of um, there's different tribes of, of South Africans. And even though they're all black, they did their best to split them up into their different tribes because all these tribes spoke different languages. And even though you bring people of the same race together, if they can't understand each other, that actually causes more friction than, um, you know, knowing the same language. So, for example, um, if there was two tribes that came together, they'd fight. Even though they looked the same, they weren't able to understand each other. However, Trevor was actually in a unique position where his mom told him and taught him all the the tribal languages so he was actually very unique position to speak to um and learn from everyone and he was able to to bring people together in that way he was able to communicate and survive being a colored uh boy because he could identify with people's uh, language even if he couldn't identify with their race people would be like yo who's this colored kid um let's mess him up and, and fight him and beat him up, but he would be able to respond in their language and then they he would gain their respect that way. So that was a huge part uh, of the book. Um, you know, being born a crime, he wasn't actually able to see his father. Um, and because he was colored, he had a very hidden life. So in the book, he talks about how, you know, if he looks back at his childhood and all the images that exist of him, they actually are all taken inside. He wasn't allowed outside that often. Um, and so and he was had lived a very sheltered life, um, which had a deep effect on, I guess, who he was as a person. Because when he actually went to school and was colored at these uh, at these schools, and he he moved around a lot, and he was a tr- he was a very troubled child. Um, you know, he didn't really know who he was. Uh, one of the lines that uh, kind of really reflected with me was where he said that he didn't really know who he was he never belonged um and i think in high school i I always felt like i never belonged as well growing up homeschooled you know i I grew up inside the home a lot too um 
I didn't really meet a lot of friends that were outside of, of homeschooling or church. So I, I kind of lived a very sheltered life. And then when I went to high school, I knew a lot of people, but I didn't really have a core friend group until grade 12. So that's why I always say high school was the worst days of my life because I never felt I belonged. Even though I knew everyone, I never, didn't really have a group that stayed consistent throughout the whole um, my whole time there until grade 11, grade 12, when, you know, music became a thing and people became more solidified. Uh, but I was lost for the first three years. Um, some other, uh, lines, uh, that I really stuck out to me is, um, in regards to the, the, I guess the societal aspects or the societal norms of how men treat women there. So one is, uh, he was told by his uncle, I believe that, um, if you don't hit a, your woman, you don't love her. And so he kind of grew up knowing that hitting your wife or your, um, your partner is a wrong thing, but around him, it was, that was normal. His stepfather that, uh, he had in the future was a, was a black man, but he, the stepfather never saw him as his own, uh, because he wasn't a product of him. And he saw the, that his real father was, uh, uh, an attack against his ego. So whenever Trevor went to see his real biological father, his his stepfather would hate it, um, and he had to kind of succumb to not being able to see his father because of his stepfather. Um, so there's a lot of terms or a lot of things that are culturally um, focused in terms of masculinity in his childhood that he grew up believing, um, and you know, but but you know his his mother was a very strong individual, and there's. Um, some, some, definitely some quotes that I really want to read, uh, from this book that really stuck with me, um, through the entire thing. Um, one of them is, is about religion. So it says, if you're Native American and you pray to the wolves, you're a savage. If you're African and you pray to your ancestors, you're a primitive. But when white people pray to a guy who turns water into wine, well, that's just common sense. And I think that one really stuck out to me as, you know, Christians are typically very judgmental or, you know, other religions, all religions are very judgmental against other religions and what they do and, and how they quantify their religion and spirituality. But in reality, it's like everyone, what everyone does to everyone else is all considered whack and, and not normal. Um, so that was one that stuck out to me a lot. Um, then on page uh, 21, we have this idea. Um, let me just try to find it here. Oh, yeah, this is a really good one. In any society built on institutionalized racism, race mixing doesn't merely challenge the system as unjust. It reveals the system as unsustainable and incoherent. Race mixing proves that races can mix, and in a lot of ways, wants to mix. Because a per mixed person embodies that rebuke to the logic of the system, race mixing becomes a crime worse than treason. So in this, he's talking about how, you know, his mother was black and his, his father, biological father, was a uh, white South African. Um, and back then, you know, doing that was, was a crime. But, uh, you know, I think what was the government was worried about is that people, like the whites desired the blacks and the blacks desired the whites. Um, because it showed that you can unify through with by ignoring race or by ignoring these uh, societal uh, systems that people put in place. And uh, to him, that was just ironic how, um, you know, by separating it, you create hate, but if you actually put them together, they, they will actually love each other or find ways to love each other. And that's when you see that unity and, and 
uh, peace are possible, and the world doesn't really want that, and specifically in apartheid, white people. Um, another quote that I really enjoyed was, uh, it's a bit longer one, but we tell people to follow their dreams, but you can only dream of what you can imagine. And depending on where you come from, your imagination can be quite limited. Growing up in Soweto, our dream was to put another room on our house. Maybe have a driveway, maybe someday a cast iron gate at the end of the driveway, because that is all we knew. But the highest rung of what's possible is far beyond the world you can see. My mother showed me what was possible. The only thing that, uh, the thing that always amazed me about her, her life was that no one showed her. No one chose her. She did it on her own. She found her way through sheer force of will. But he's talking about how the the main gift that his mother left him was the fact that he had a vision of what his life could become because of the vision that his mother gave him. And so she never wanted him to see what was, wasn't possible. She always showed him what was. Uh, and that's something that definitely stuck out with me a lot as well. Um, and then I think the last one I'm going to talk about uh, is this quote on trauma. And uh, so for here, it says, I was blessed with another trait I inherited from my mother, her ability to forget the pain in life. I remember the thing that caused the trauma, but I don't hold on to the trauma. So he's just talking about how... Um, you know, there's a lot of things in his life that went bad, and he remembers what, what caused it, but he never wanted to, to let that pain stop him from living a life that was purposeful and meaningful. Um, he wasn't afraid of getting the, the ass-kicking from his mom that he says. Um, he just wanted to keep pushing boundaries and, and breaking the rules. So he was a devious child, um, but we see where he is now, and it's a lot of success. Anyways, um, I think that's 10 minutes of me on this book. It's a fantastic book. Uh, very funny. Lots of funny stories in here that he also talks about in his Netflix special as well. I definitely recommend checking it out. Um, Born a Crime. 4.5 stars out of 5. Uh, incredible book all around. You'll learn a lot about racism, language, and uh, growing up black. I think this book is one of the best books I've ever read about growing up black. Uh, so yeah, check it out.